Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome into episode 66 of The Grid, the show that will be headed to Jerry World this week. Shout out to David Lucio and the Tidehaven Tigers for that one. Winning in overtime once again. We're entering our last week of high school football, guys. It's bittersweet for us because we get to go to Jerry World, Ty Davis in a state championship, but that means it's our last week of football, and then there's no more football until August after. No more football on the field, at least. There's plenty of football to discuss. But, you know, a little bit bittersweet for us, but we're going to exalt, we're going to squeeze every last bit of it that we can out of this. Semifinals last week, Ganado couldn't overcome a second half surge from Timson, Edna. Could not overcome Franklin. Good gosh. The Franklin Lions are really, really good. Stop me if you've heard that one before. And Tidehaven, of course, winning in overtime. But that's where we're going to start is with the Tidehaven Tigers. Mike, you've gotten a chance to talk to Coach Lucio this week. Is there, uh, you know, they're preparing for the state championship. Back-to-back overtime wins for the Tigers after the state championship. This, they just keep finding ways to win these close games after not playing really any close games throughout the course of the regular season. Well, it's what he said. I mean, he he feels like that if his team can be close into the third and fourth quarter, they have an excellent chance to win. They wear people down. They're very physical. They'll come at you. And um, what he was saying about Dangerfield is he said Dangerfield had some uh, very tremendous athletes, but uh, – I don't know if their conditioning was the best. And uh, Ty Davin took advantage of that. Um, and, you know, they know, you know, that uh, any game at this point, the team they play is going to be really good. So uh, that's the thing they've been very consistent about. And uh, they believe in that, and uh, that's gotten them to where they are. Yeah, Tidehaven, it's and that's some Lucio said it last week. Look, if the game's close late, we'd like our chances to go and take the game over, and that's exactly what they did. And there were times where the game could have gotten away from them, and I think I talked about it with Tidehaven last week as well, where when they had played post, there's different instances where these big plays are made or these big moments happen where I think lesser teams just fall victim in those moments or start to, oh man, well, it's just it's not our day. It's not our night. This isn't our game. Tidehaven to end the first half. They're down seven nothing. They have you know goal to go from the one yard line. They line up Dodds and Wildcat, which snapping the ball to Joseph Dodds the yard to go. That's as sure a bet as anything you're going to get in three A football in this state. And the, it's a bad snap. It's fumbled. They don't get so they and instead of being seven seven, it's seven zero. It's seven zero Dangerfield going into the half. And I think that's a moment a lot of teams probably crumble right there because. Hey, you know, we, we had this chance to tie the game. Dangerfield's obviously really good on their end, and we don't take advantage of it. And then Dangerfield, uh, Tidehaven again, they fumbled in this, uh, they fumbled inside the own uh, inside of Dangerfield 30. Once again, lesser teams probably crumble in those moments. Tidehaven continues to overcome them. They get in the overtime. Dangerfield, a lack of a kicking game hurts them. Tidehaven goes right down the field, scores, boom. Tigers are going to the state championship first time since 1980. The Tigers are uh, are headed are headed to play for a championship. Yeah, everybody's really excited about that. Uh, you know, they they knew coming into the year that this was going to be a good good group, and uh, to see what they've done, um, 
it's pretty amazing, um, you know, because uh, they they've won about every way possible. I mean, they continue to play good defense, even though they've given up more points, obviously. But they do that, and then offensively, you know, let's face it, this is the first time uh, that Joseph Dodds has been healthy in the playoffs. So that makes a big difference, too. And uh, Kale Russell, he has that year experience from last year. That's helped their passing game. So, uh, yeah, a big difference. And, by the way, um, Lucio corrected me yesterday. He said, that's not the Wildcat. That's actually the old single wing. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, see, we're running the old single wing. And I said, okay, because, you know, back in the day in the single wing, the basically had a running back as a quarterback. Yeah. So, I'll have to tell Tepper at yeah. Dave Campbell about that yeah. one when they're calling the Tigers tomorrow. I'll have yeah. to make I'll make sure he's aware because I'm sure we'll yeah. see. I'm sure we'll see Dodds in the backfield. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'll see him taking the direct snaps. But I remember watching. I watched Ty Davin's first scrimmage way back. You know, mm-hmm. so long ago in August, back when it was hot outside, and I remember watching them and they were playing. They're going against Shiner, and I thought Ty, Ty Davin had a lot of elements of. Man, obviously the running back's really good. Man, they got an experienced quarterback who's a pretty accurate passer. Man, they have big physical weapons on the outside. Man, they have a fast physical defense that can kind of get after people. So you you saw all these elements with Tidehaven early in the season, and that's what you always want to see with the team is can all the elements, can you blend it all together? Can you mix it all together and get that, you know, get the full version, the fully realized version of a team that every coach like dreams, man, if we just get it all to work, we think we can be really good. And Ty Davin's done that this year. They've kind of mixed all the parts together really, really well. And the team is firing on all cylinders right now. And I think it's really tough for a team. This is a credit to Lucio and the kids in that locker room who you blow out everybody for three months. I mean, they they didn't – shoot, they barely allowed any points for three months. And in your biggest games of the season to be able to be behind and not panic. And we talked about this with Refurio last week. We felt like Refurio panicked a little bit when they got behind Ganado because Refurio hasn't been behind a whole lot this year because they're really good, so they don't trail. Ty Davin's really good. They don't trail. But to not panic in those moments when they are trailing and be able to kind of take a breath and make the plays they need to make, not make the mistakes, and take over these games late and win them in overtime, I think it speaks a lot to just the competitive character that exists in a Ty Davin locker room. Yeah, no doubt. Um, that those kids believe they can win and they believe uh, they can beat anybody. So, and that's really what you have to believe if you're going to be in this position. Yeah. And they'll get their chance to, you know, lift a state championship, you know, 24 hours from when we're recording this. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. I went up to Shenandoah, Texas, all, aka the Woodlands. It's basically the same thing. My, you know, not far from Sam Houston. Yeah. There were Mike. There was Bearcat branding yeah. in the in the stadium. We were at a yeah. the Wood Forest Bank Stadium is a top tier, top tier facility. You can just tell mm-hmm. by the Bearcat paraphernalia mm-hmm. going across stadium. And Ganado, Mike, I gotta tell you, at halftime, I thought Ganado is oh shoot, they're gonna do it. They're gonna knock off Timson. They're up 21-14 at half, but. Then Terry Bussey happens, yeah. <laughs> and Terry Bussey is as advertised. Timpson wins 35-21. Mike, I'll tell you, that, and I've, I've told this to everybody, the, cha- the moment in this game that stands out, it's 21-21 in the third quarter. Ganado's offense up to this point had not been stopped in the game. They, had just, they get the ball, they go down and score. 
It's about six, so it's about six minutes left in the third quarter. They have the ball second and goal at the two-yard line. And to nobody's surprise, Dylan Holt up to that point in the game had just been running through the line of scrimmage. He had been he had been a bell cow. He'd been hard to tackle. Dylan Holt was tackled for a loss one time in this game, Mike, and it was at second and goal from the two. They ran. They uh, Ganado lined up in T formation, and they tried just a straight ahead to hold on a fullback dive. Gets met in the backfield for a three-yard loss. Next play, Ullman throws a pass incomplete. The receiver. It looked like their timing was off a little bit. They didn't quite. They didn't quite have the rhythm. They kick a field goal. It doesn't go through. Then Timpson goes down. You know, eighty-yard scores, and that was really the game right there. That that was a changing moment in this game, and that's one that. If you're a Ganado player, if you're Josh Irvin, if you're a fan, you're going to be thinking, man, if that one play to Holt goes differently, do we win that football game? Are we playing in a state championship tonight? Mm-hmm. And that that's one that for the next nine months, everybody over in Ganado, Texas is going to be thinking about as you know, they reflect on this football season. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised you know, early on when they saw that score. Uh, but uh, obviously uh, Josh Irvin and his staff came up with a great game plan, and uh, and it w- they were executing it until that one moment, obviously, whether it was a blitz, a missed block, or who, what, who knows well, it, what. It, it was just – so th- this is what I think This is what I think happened. Ganado has run out – I've seen them run that a couple of times out of that T formation this year. They've pitched to the left and pitched to the right. I had not seen them run up to middle. Yeah. I think they put that on film thinking, okay, we're going to line up in this. They're going to flank outside, and we're just going to give it to our horse, yeah. and he'll go right up the middle for, for a two-yard touchdown. And Timpson to just, to their credit, they kind of played the player rather than the player formation or whatever the scouting report was. They just kind of sold out for the run up the middle. And they're, you know, I was like, you know, the other side is trying to make plays as well. And Timpson went and they made a play in that moment to change the course of the game. And we've talked about Terry Bussey as much as any non-area player in this podcast because you had a, you had a chance to see him last year against Refurio Mike and mm-hmm. Terry Bussey is a guy who you talk about someone who lives up to the hype and yeah. he absolutely did. And but what impressed me was not the physical stuff. It wasn't that he was really fast and explosive or anything like that. That you know, he's a five star recruit. I, I figured he was gonna be the fastest, best athlete on the field. His, he wasn't an athlete playing quarterback. He was actually playing the quarterback position, and he's not going to be a quarterback in college, but to see him running the RPO game and making the correct decisions over and over again, that's something that impressed me because Ganado was not giving up the big plays. And also his toughness because Ganado, it was clear, and I talked to Coach, to Coach Josh Irvin after the game, and he said the same thing. They were not, Their game plan was to not let him go on yeah. the big play. If you want to nickel and dime us down the field, go ahead and nickel and dime us down the field. We are not We are not letting big plays happen. And gosh dang it, Terry Bussey nickel and dimed him down the field the entire game. And it was, it was turning a two-yard loss into a six-yard gain. Or what should have been a sack in, and just getting the, getting the ball out of his hands. It was always making the right read on the RPO. It was going up the middle on third and two and getting four yards. That's what impressed me about Terry Bussey because I think for a guy that's as, as athletic as him, I can imagine it's frustrating when you don't get a chance to get out in the open field and show your speed and show how dynamic and explosive you are. But he did the correct thing over and over again and got behind his pads, got behind his blockers and took the three and four yards, ran through tacklers, played a gritty ball game and a ball game that he had to play in order to win this one. 
that's what impressed me about Terry Bussey, and that's why we're Ganado's margin for error in this one was with the way Terry Bussey played because he he didn't make a wrong decision the entire game. So Ganado's margin for error was essentially zero, and the difference in the game was Dylan Hulk getting stopped at the two yard line because if they go in and score, it's twenty eight twenty one. Timson probably goes down and scores, and it's 28-28, and it just becomes, you know, who has the ball last? Who has the last best chance at that point, probably? But that moment shifted the momentum of the game. So that was a really fun game up in Ganado, and kind of everyone, you know, I've been, I was fortunate enough where I was at most of Ganado's playoff games. Everybody who watched them on this run was like, wow, I'm really impressed with them, and they're a very junior-laden team. They only lose three seniors, so they're one to watch as, you know, you look towards next season as, man, they're going to be back, and they're going to be fully loaded, and they're going to be pissed. Yeah, and Timson, uh, they're a very experienced team. They yeah. have a lot of seniors, I believe, because most of those guys that played last year against Refurio were back this yeah. year. So uh, this, they knew this was their <laughs> shot. And I, I think, you know, they've been so close. What, three trips to the semis come away empty. Shiner and Refurio yeah. just couldn't get over that hurdle yeah. for so long. So I'm sure they were very determined. And, uh, you know, Ganado, uh, like you said, they're going to be back next year. Matt Stepp, as we were leaving the press box on Thursday night, actually compared. He said he, we ran into some of the Timpson coaches who were up in the box. And Stepp goes, these guys are like you guys last year. Yeah. That and that's kind of a comparison because it's going to be you know ninety percent of the roster for Grenado is going to be back and that they're just going to remember this moment. I'm excited to see what they do, but it was a fun it was a fun ride with the Indians. Mike, you were up at you were up in Cyprus and you're shaking your head over there and rightfully so. It it was not a great week for Edna. I mean, more so the yeah you know the murder over there. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, you can go to our website and we have. Patrick Sloan Turner, one of our coworkers, has done a fantastic job covering that. A cheerleader was murdered in her apartment, and that was, that was really terrible. that was terrible. And that happened less than forty. You know, that all came out less than forty-eight hours before Edna's football team was slated to take the field against Franklin. And you know, you talk about zero margin for error. That's what it takes to beat the Franklin Lions. Yeah. And Edna did not make zero errors. No, and. Uh... You know, it was very. It was nice before the game. Uh, the two sides, both cheerleaders on both sides, got together for a little tribute, and they had some tributes there. But uh, once the game started, well, it actually started out pretty well for Edna because they they stopped them on three downs, and boom, what does Franklin do? They get they run a fake punt and get a first down. Well, okay, you're thinking, oh well, but they stopped him again and they held him on downs. And Edna gets the ball, very first play. Uh, Jaden Clay throws to uh, Braylon Harris for like 24 yards, and they're in, they're in Franklin territory. And you're thinking, hey man, this thing, you know, maybe Edna is really gonna get it. Well, the next play, Clay fumbles. Franklin goes down and scores. Edna gets the ball, they make one first down, then they're forced to punt. Punt's blocked, they get a field goal. Next possession, Rhoda's fumbles, they recover. Boom. 17 to nothing before the first quarter is over. And I mean, Franklin's the kind of team you're not you're not gonna overcome a 17-point deficit. And uh, I mean, it's like Jimmy said, Mitchell, uh, I don't know if we'd have beaten this team anyways. 
He said, but we sure weren't going to beat him when we turned the ball over like that. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it would, I don't know what to say except it's the Edna we've seen all season. You know, some nights they look like world beaters, and other nights you're just going, what is going on out there? It's, it's and, and, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah, Edna, you mentioned it. It's what team's going to show up in that week. Is it going to be the team that only put up six points against Goliath and kept shooting themselves in their foot, or the one that went and beat Jordanton by 40? The one that decimated Blanco in the regional yeah. final. And against Franklin, they're the, – Two-time defending state champions, and now, like, early in the season, it looked like, hey, Franklin might be vulnerable. Now we get to this point, and it's like, no, they're really not. So you have to be basically perfect against them. Yeah. And once you start, once you start making mistakes, your Edna or Franklin is not going to get out of get out of your way. They're going to continue to force yeah. you to make it into and those I, mistakes. I think Franklin had almost 200 passing yards too. That was the big surprise. They threw the ball very well, and. Well, I mean, they did throw the ball well, but there was some bust coverage, and there were a lot of receivers wide open. And that's probably Edna. You know, they're selling out for the run, knowing yeah. what Franklin is. Franklin's like, all right, sell out for the run. We're going to – we'll hit you over the top. I remember Michigan-Ohio State a couple years yeah. ago, Ohio, Michigan hit a couple of big passing plays because Ohio State was selling out for the run, and that's, that's what this is. You have a team that runs the ball so well – all week, what do you hear? We got to stop the run. We got to fill our yeah. gaps. We got to be disciplined in the run. And players get their eyes in the backfield, and all of a sudden, a really fast guy's running right past you. Yeah, and the the thing about it is, Jaden Johnson, their uh, their stud running back, he just had like fifty something yards. They used like I think it was ten or twelve different running backs in that game, and uh, you know, but at the silver lining here um, is like. Uh, Jimmy Mitchell pointed out, you know, Braylon Harris is a junior, Cade Rodas is a junior, and he his two defensive tackles are sophomores. Mm -hmm. So he's got quite a bit coming back. The big key, of course, will be finding a quarterback to replace Jaden Clay. Four-year starter yeah. Jaden Clay. It's been a while since Edna's yeah. had someone else. So that'll be the big key for Edna next season. And, and you know, of course, uh, we'll see what what happens there. Yeah, that's I mean, again, not the way you want to see Edna's season end, but I mean just quite a quite a week in Edna's we just yeah. you know, quite a week over there. But yes, but we got one team headed to the state championship and that means Mike and I get to go to get to go to Jerry World. We're excited about that. We're gonna hear a message from White Trash Services and then we're gonna talk about what you know, what the Tigers have to do to, you know, go and lift up the trophy up, up in Jerry World. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and, and, and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off uh, companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area. High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? 
You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. We are back episode 66 of the grid route 66 mike and i will be driving this week we won't be going on route 66 <laughs> although i have driven down route 66 before mike have you have you been down route 66 I, yourself i'm sure i have i i couldn't say exactly where i mean uh but i know i've been through route, route 66 just outside of santa rosa new mexico yeah. for me i've been on i've been on actually no in santa rosa new mexico yeah. i've been on route 66 the uh the Las the uh, the West Las Vegas Dons and Robertson Cardinals both had matchups with the Santa Rosa Lions in right. in my time at uh, in my time at the Las Vegas Optic. But we're talking about Texas high school football today, and more pertinently, the Tidehaven Tigers earned a state championship game, seeking to win their first championship since 1980. Mike, what has to happen for Tidehaven to to bring home the gold this week? Well, after talking to their coaching staff. Um... They have to play assignment football, and they have to not. They have to tackle in space, basically, because uh, what they said about Gunter is uh, it's it, it has a lot of speed, and they say if you let them get away, they can take it to the end zone on any play. So that's the big key: is uh, not letting them beat you with their speed. And that means uh, the uh, Coach Lucio compared uh, Gunner's offense runs the same basic offense as Rogers did, who they met in the playoffs. Okay. So he felt like that that helped that being able to face Rogers gave him at least a look. Obviously, Gunner's going to be a lot better than Rogers, but uh, he felt like that's the key. And then on offense, it's uh, not making those kind of mistakes they made against Dangerfield. You know, you can't get down to the one yard line and not score. You got to score when you got an opportunity. But uh, you know, they they think they can do it. Uh, now, Gunners won thirty one in a row. Yeah, defending state champions yeah, over they, there, and they pretty much. Uh, I don't want to say to demolish, but they beat Canadian handle. I mean, by three touchdowns. Yeah. So I mean, this is a really good team, and. Uh, you know, this team is, uh, I think it won back in 19, I believe. Um, it's won three state titles. Tide Havens won two. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for them. Um, you know, but uh, I'll give Tide Haven credit. You know, they're, I'm telling you, they're better than people think. People just do not realize how good they are. I, I still am amazed at that. I mean, well, they're, they're the new kids on the block. Yeah, and you look at someone like Justin Griffin, the defensive end, or Jacob Duran, a linebacker, and then Ricky Rubio in the secondary. Secondary, I mean, these guys will hit you, and they're they're physical, they're strong, and I mean, uh, and you mean Griffith and Duran are physically impressive oh, guys. God, if you, yes. I mean, they pass the eye test just watching them walk into the stadium. Yeah, so I mean, they have the personnel. And they have the coaching, and they have the work ethic. That's what's so impressive to me about the, you know, that's, 
that's kind of been Tidehaven's calling card is work ethic. They've always had great work ethic at that school. And, uh, you know, they finally got to put it all together with talent. Because, you know, we've said this before, you've got to have talent to win. But once you do have that talent, then it's a matter of putting it together and making it pay off. Yeah, with Tidehaven, the one thing I'm looking for tomorrow when we watch this game, we're recording this on Wednesday, can they – I think this is a game where experience matters. Gunner's been here before. They're defending state champions. Gunner believes they're going to get off to a fast start. Yeah. Can Tidehaven, one, not allow that to happen, but two, if it does happen, not, you can't win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose it yeah. in the first quarter – how quickly can Tidehaven, this is going to be the best team Tidehaven has played this year. I can make the argument Tidehaven is the best team Gunners played this year. Can, can Tidehaven man, just manage the moment early on and allow themselves to grow into the game? Because that's what's happened these last couple of weeks is they've fallen behind early on. And as they've grown into the game, they started to be able to impose their will on the opponent. Can, can Tidehaven not lose the game early on? Can they get? Can they stay in the game long enough to start imposing their will on Gunner? Because I don't know if there's a better running back in three A than Joseph Dodds. I don't know if there's guys in three A that hit harder than what Tidehaven has to offer. I don't know if there's a defense that's better than Tidehaven's defense over there. Can they withstand the fast start? How quickly can they adjust to Jerry World and the lights and state championship and a team you haven't seen before, defending state champions? How quickly can they make that mental adjustment? and just settle into playing their brand of football because their brand of football has gotten them to 14-0 this year. Right, and, and you, we also have to remember, you know, Gunner's like an hour from AT&T. Yeah. So for them, this is just a regular game yeah. schedule, everything. For whereas Ty even left Wednesday morning. They had to stop somewhere, I'm sure, and probably loosened up or did whatever. St- spent the night in a hotel do their walkthrough Thursday morning somewhere there in the probably in the ballroom of yeah. a hotel. So I mean that's they have not done that all year. Yeah. And that's different. And uh I don't I I'm, I'm gonna get back on it. I don't care what anyone says, but teams in the DFW area have a distinct advantage in this game. Oh absolutely. Because they go through their normal routine. Whereas teams like Tidehaven have to travel and do all this yeah. stuff that you normally don't do. Yeah. So uh, they're going to have to overcome that. But, you know, it can be done. We've seen yeah. it. I mean, Refiro's done it. Shiner's done it. Cuero did it. So, I mean, you know, it can be done. It's just, but you have to be mentally tough. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, what point? There's always a point in a game, a big game like this, where it becomes just, a, it just becomes a football game. It just becomes competition. How quickly can Tidehaven make this become just a football game? And some teams, some players have the ability to, the second, you know, as soon as, you know, the coin is flipped and you're lining up for the opening kickoff, they can get into that space. How quickly can Tidehaven do that? That's what that's what I'm looking for. That's right. what I'm wondering about. Right. And you, you know, it's real easy when you walk into AT&T to be staring at that big scoreboard, yeah. you know. It's pretty overwhelming, especially for a high school kid yeah. if you think about it. So you're right. Let's see if they can adapt to the surroundings and then uh, just 
just really concentrate on playing football. I mean, I even saw it. I was with uh, Calhoun a couple of weeks ago when they went to yeah. the Alamo Dome, and that's—I uh, mean, that's not AT and T, but it's a, you know, a sixty thousand yeah. seat uh, arena. And I was talking to Coach Whitaker, and you know, you bring the kids in there early and let them look around and let them ooh and ah and let yeah. them kind of go through it and let them settle into the to the environment. I imagine Lucio will be doing something similar tomorrow, letting his kids kind of you know right. d- you know get all the oohs and ahs out early so they can settle in and focus on playing a football game. Mike, I'm really excited for this one because I'm with you. I don't think people quite realize how good Tide Haven is last week. And I, I talking to Matt Step in the press box last week at you know Dave Campbell's. He's you know I hope I want to see Tide Haven beat Dangerfield. I want to see Joseph Dodds. I want to see these guys. I've heard yeah. I've heard so much about them, but I haven't gotten a chance to see them. And I think for Tide Haven, this is a chance for you know I know it's the last game of the year, but it's kind of a chance to show everybody, hey. This is who we are. This is what we do because what they do, they do really well. Yeah, I think uh, Lucio said it best. He said, you know, if we can win this thing, that gives us three state championships and it kind of puts us in the top tier of teams around the state, which is true. I mean, you know, there, there aren't that many teams around that have won three state titles. So it would mean a lot for their program. Yeah, and Ty David, I mean, they haven't been able to get over the post hurdle for right. so long, and they finally cleared it. And I was talking to someone yesterday about that game where they said, man, I was I was surprised Ty David, you know, beat Dangerfield because of the post game. And I said, well, I think post was as much a mental hurdle as it was a physical one. They were they were trying to beat the uniforms more so than beat, yeah. beat the team. And in Dangerfield, you know, they're a really, really good team, but – they were able to they were able to adjust and figure out they got a receiver who's coming into Texas and they were able yeah. to adjust to him and take away some of the deep passing game and defense was able to you know kind of squeeze and take over that football game. But Tidehaven has been, I think you know all they started off the year ranked in the top five in three AD two, yeah. but they've kind of just been the other team like oh there's Canadian and yeah. Gunter and oh yeah Tidehaven's there too mm-hmm. and. It, they've been they've been kind of overlooked. Well, we know Post always the powerhouse over there. Well, they you know they went and beat Post. They're oh Dangerfield. Oh well, they went and beat Dangerfield. So this is a team that all year they've kind of been like the other team, and now they're forty eight minutes away from winning a state championship and not losing a game along the way and having one of the best defenses in the entire state. So an opportunity for Ty David and also a chance to win. You win state championships in multiple eras. They won. In the 60s, they I think was the first one. They won in 1980, which was their most recent one. You get one now in 2023 with a new group of players, a, a coach who doesn't really want to go anywhere. David Lucio is loving his life over in El Maiden right now. The killer, as I learned yeah, this week. Yeah, the killer. That's right. That's what El Maiden stands for in English, the killer. But, you know, Lucio, you know, a tight even graduate, a guy who is, you know, loving his life, loving his team and the coaching staff and the infrastructure they've gotten over there and, Tidehaven, like you said, I think this is a chance to group themselves with the truly elite programs in this state, and they, you know, they have that opportunity. And this is going to be a really fun one. I'm, I'm excited because I think everyone knows people who don't really know much about Tidehaven. They know Joseph Dodds. They know he's committed to Baylor. They know he's outstanding, and he is outstanding. They. Yakin Duran, you mentioned Griffith, you mentioned Ricky Rubio. Some of these other guys they don't really know about. And that's what I'm excited for because I think it's gonna be it's kinda gonna kinda be their moment. 
This is going to be a fun one. Mike and I headed to Jerry World just in a few hours here. We're excited for it, but we're here with a message from Thrivent Financial. Then we're going to talk some basketball, some realignment, and get in your all-area stuff, coaches. We want to do these all-area teams. Stay tuned. Episode 66 of The Grid will be right back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. We are back, episode 66 of The Grid, and I got, you know, I missed all the football. I was able to make it out to the basketball court last night at Victoria West. The girls taking on Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial in District 29-5A crossover action, so not a district game, despite it being two district teams. If it doesn't make sense to you, that's good, because it doesn't make sense to us either. But, Mike, this is my first time getting to watch Victoria West this year. And I remember when Sam was on the podcast a couple of times, he had said, you know, watch out for the West girls this year. Christina Rankin-Williams and her second year as a coach. And I love talking to coaches because I kind of – what one coach says, I kind of put it in my mind and, oh, it applies to this coach. And, you know, I was talking to a coach said, you know, a lot of times it takes till your second year. You kind of get through that first senior class and you can really start to input your identity, your culture, what you want to do into your team – and with Coach Rankin Williams, it is this, it's speed, it's tempo, it's pressure defense, it's getting in your face, and that's something Victoria West did a really good job of against Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. And there was a familiar name making an impact. I think all basketball fans in the area are familiar with Zoe Morgan, the uh, you know the former Victoria West basketball standout on the boys' side. Well, Zoe Morgan has a little sister, and she goes by Zay. Zay Morgan, 18 points, four threes, seven steals for the freshman point guard last night for Victoria West. And Mike, I think, you know, Zoe Morgan goes off, walks out the door. Zay Morgan comes in, and I think Victoria West has found their next basketball star because as a freshman, she was the best player on the court already. And it wasn't just her ability, it's the presence, it's, you know, already being a leader, stepping into that leadership role. She's what makes the team go. She sets the tempo for them. And for a 14, 15 year old kid to be able to do that amongst, you know, older players on a court against an opponent, to me, that's really, really impressive. Yeah, we'll have to see, you know, how it shakes out. Um, I'm not really, to be honest, that familiar with that district right now. I know in the past, Veterans Memorial has been really good. In fact, uh, they knocked East out a couple of years. Um, So they've usually had pretty good teams. Ray is usually pretty good. But uh, we'll see how, um, you know, and, of course, East and West will be a very – is always a very interesting game. Well, yeah, because I, I knew last year West, again, I wasn't here for basketball season last year, but I knew West girls basketball was not that good last year. And I'd saw, I'd seen East earlier this season, and I was like, man, I was pretty impressed with East. I thought they looked, especially as early in the season as I watched them, they looked very cohesive. I really was impressed with their backcourt. I thought, man, West going to have their work cut out for them. And watching West yesterday, it's like, okay, West has, you know, they're going to have some answers for some of the questions that East asks when they meet later this year. And you mentioned Veterans Memorial, that usually they're a team towards the top of the district, and they are. They were missing some players last night. I don't know exactly how many players they were missing or how the game would have went. West won by 23 points, which I think is one that, you know, 
fully loaded, that result probably doesn't hold, at least not to that, certainly not to that margin. Maybe the result, maybe the win-loss stays the same. But that's, I mean, Wes, you could see, you know, last year I think they only won like five or six games. They've already won eight this year, so they're obviously a much improved team. And as they're getting closer to zone play, you know, they're playing teams that they're going to be more familiar with. I'm excited to see kind of development because you can see, this team, there is, you know, and I talked to Coach Rankin Williams after the game. There is a little bit more of a buy-in. There's a little bit more of an understanding of this is what we do. This is how we do things. This is what the goal is. And Victoria West has some depth as well. So it's not like they're relying just completely on two or three players. Now, I think Zay Morgan's probably their most important player. But it's not like, oh, if one girl gets in foul trouble, you know, if one starter gets in foul trouble, they, you know, scrap the whole team. They, you know, they can rotate in some different girls and they're working on that right now. But they do have some depth on the bench. And, you know, the girls basketball here, District 20, you know, District 29-5A could be something to watch. We could could have some entertaining games. But, Mike, we're coming out of football season. But all that means is we're entering a new season. And that new season is realignment and the cutoff numbers got announced last late last week on Friday and Shiner's going down to two AD two industrial's going down to three AD two. We're getting some movement. Our suspicions were confirmed. East and West will be in different districts starting next season in football. At least Victoria East will be five AD one Victoria West will be five AD two. Mike, what was your, for me, it was a Shiner one. What was your biggest kind of takeaway when you saw the cutoff numbers released? Yeah, that Shiner was obviously the big one. Um, you know, we had talked about it when I saw the number 181. I said, you know, I don't know. Can it come up that much? And sure enough, it goes to 181.5. 181 and a half. Yeah, and it's kind of like I know some people are going, wait a minute. What did Shiner know, you know? <laughs> but, no, the, the the truth of the matter is they have, very, have had some small classes over there. Um and, and I will say, I almost make a prediction that this is a one-time thing, that in two years from now, they'll be back in two. Well, because they have big middle two school one. classes yeah, coming up. They've got up. big classes coming. But, you know, um, well, first of all, um, it doesn't guarantee them anything. But it's better to be the big dog than the little dog. And uh, they're they're right at the top of the, of the you know, the numbers. So, uh that it'd be interesting to see. I'm wondering if they'll put them in a district with Fall City over there and everyone. Because um, back not long ago, boy, Shiner and Fall City used to have some great games mm-hmm. together. It was a great rivalry. And, of course, you know, you've got Mart sitting out there that you catch in the uh, semifinals. So uh, nothing's guaranteed. But I think from Shiner's perspective, this is going to be a good thing. Yeah, and Shiner, this was—it's almost happening at a perfect time too, because mm-hmm. you have all these players who they took their long. There are a lot of sophomores on this Shiner team. This was a really young Shiner team, and we talked about that a lot throughout the football season. And they go and play the Refurios and the Ganados and the East Bernards and the Hallettsvilles and some of the really tough teams on their schedule, and they take their losses, take their lumps, and you know, kind of licking their wounds in spots, but they were able to get to the second round of the playoffs. They were able to, you know, kind of turn their season around. Now you come with that confidence in the next season, and you're going down to 2AD2 with all that experience. You're going to be a little more talented going into next year. You're going to, you know, 
Bedeker is not going to be, you know, teaching the kids to walk and chew gum at the same time. They're going to, you know, know what's expected of them. They're going to know the offense. It's not going to be nearly as much just teaching the basic kind of the fundamentals of what Shiner does in Navir over there. Shiner has a chance to really get out and run in 2AD2 for these next couple of years with a group that has already kind of taken their lumps. Right. You're right. And um, here's the other thing I'm hoping um, – with them being D2, I'm hoping they'll they'll play Refurio and Ganado because now they don't have to worry about playing them twice. You know, you can play them in non-district, which really helps both teams because, you know, both those teams, Refurio and Ganado are going to – and Shiner, too, are going to have a hard time mm-hmm. scheduling. So they can play yeah. each other and not have to worry about, you know, are we going to have to play yeah. them again. So um, – We'll see how that works out. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, it's a good move for Shiner. And, um, you know, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Well, Medicare is not one to shy away from a challenge. So I think I think he'll have no problem putting Refurio and Ganeto on the schedule. And you mentioned, I think, you know, Refurio always has a hard time scheduling anybody. I think Ganeto's going to come back yeah. from – everyone's going to see they made the semifinals and, oh, shoot, they got 90% of the team yeah. back. No, we want no part of that. Yeah, they're gonna, <laughs> they're probably going to have to schedule up as well. So, uh, but, yeah. I think, but I think yeah. that will be good for them. It is. It is good. I mean, uh, you know, you you obviously want to avoid a 4A team right. if you're 2A. You don't want to get slaughtered. No, but, you know, and, and I've seen Refuro play Navarro. Yeah. So, I mean, they got in that position where they had to. But, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. And, um, you know, the other interesting thing with industrial dropping, they're probably right back in that tight end. Yeah, so, industri- so industrial drops a 3A D2. They'll be going in most likely with tight haven in yeah, East Bernard. Yeah, Stanberry, I believe, dropped to 2A D1. Mm-hmm. So they've got a spot right there, and I'm sure industrial. And back in the day – uh, industrial and tight even and even Ganado back then they were all in the same district so uh, you know they're kind of familiar with each other of course they didn't get to play this year because uh, that was the game that would was postponed because of the weather that's right but uh, you know that that's an old rivalry right there and that'll be back the uh, and then of course what we're really I think uh, what we're going to be looking at on realignment day uh, February 1st, is uh, where is East going to go? Where is Victoria East yeah, going mean, to go? Because in, uh, in, I mean, the scenarios, I mean, <laughs> whatever they are, they're, uh, I mean, I suppose there could be one or two good ones, but most of them are not what you want. Let's put so, it that way. So the one I'm looking at from on Twitter, at Texas underscore HS underscore sports, it has Victoria East in a district with Bernie Champion, San Antonio Piper, Smithson Valley, Judson Wagner, New Braunfels, Northeast MacArthur, and Seguin. Now that's one. I mean, just Champion Piper, Smithson Valley, Wagner. That's. Uh, I mean, yeah. good luck making the playoffs yeah, in that district. That's a, that's a tough district, and I, you know, I know Coach Reeve, Charlie Reeve is. He's concerned, and he should be. I mean, the good thing for him is though. At least he's been there now a year. Yeah. And he's got a good group of what were sophomores going to yeah. be juniors next year. So he's got that going for him. He's got his program going. But, yeah, you're right. That's a that's a tough district. 
That's a, and I remember when I talked to Reeve, I talked to him last week or two weeks ago, and he was, you know, Smith Smithson Valley is kind of where he doesn't want to end up. Now he, yeah. you know, there's a little family affair over yeah. at Smithson Valley, um, but it is. I mean, that that would be absolutely a brutal district, and if it's not that, I mean, looking at kind of what the mock-ups are, I'm not sure where that where else they would go because they put the South San Antonio schools in with Eagle Pass and Laredo. Yeah. That's kind of a drive for. You know, if you were to shake it up anyway, that that's really a drive. I don't think East is going to go in. You're not going to go in with the Leander schools in the no, in the Lockhart. So. And, the only other thing is if uh, they took them into Region Three. Well, that's what I'm saying. Into Region Three, and, and that'd be Leander Glen and Fort Bend, which they've been yeah. before. I mean, if let's say one of those districts has a need for another team they can take east and put them up there well so here here's one that you know could be possible is uh crosby friendswood galveston ball wow. laporte pasadena that's some travel fort, fort bend kempner that's the only fort bend i mean after, after that you get into you get into houston schools and you get into austin schools so it does yeah. i think that this mock-up i'm looking at it right now it it's kind of the one that makes the most sense which is not going to be what yeah. East really wants now, to hear. Is that, would that be in Region Four or Region? That'd 3? be in Region Four. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that would be that would be in Region. I mean, you look at Region Three. It's you know Beaumont and Lufkin, and I mean obviously that's going to be too far away. Right. You're looking right. at you know Galveston, Friendswood, and Pasadena. That's, that's, that's too right. far. And then you have a, a eight or nineteen district with Houston schools, Houston, Austin, you know basically HISD schools there, and. Then Spring Branch, Spring Wood. So that's, yeah, you know, that. and then the other one is a bunch of Austin area schools, Anderson, Bastrop, Leander, Leander area, Lockhart. So that's a possibility, though, because, you know, you look at Bastrop and Lockhart and you're on this side of Austin. So, I mean, although I think it'd be more likely San Antonio yeah. than uh, But, uh, yeah, the other thing I'm, I'm real curious about is a couple things. 3A, D1, is Yoakum and Houseville, are they going to stay in Region 3? Or are they going to bring somebody oh, yeah. back down here? Like, um, because, now London stayed 3A, D1, barely, yeah. barely. But that would have, you know, that could have, you could, if there are some changes, that could bring one of the, at least one of those two teams back here. Mm. Because I've seen Goliad moving south back to where it used to be like with uh, Rans's Pass, some of those schools. Oh, man. So, so you could see them. And the other thing is Quero could come back to Region 4, which I know it wants to. And, uh, you know, that's a possibility too. Well, Quero looks like a real possibility they could come back to uh, they could come back to Region, region 4. We actually have a, a mock from that same – Twitter account has them in a district with Gonzalez, Ingleside, Rockport, Fulton, and Sinton. Yeah, that's that's a very real possibility because, um, you know, a lot of the schools it was in with Lagrange and stuff. It looks like they may move to Region Three. So, uh, well, Lagrange it has them in, uh, in with Belleville and Giddings and Madisonville and Sealy. So that's all you know yeah. closer to Houston area. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I, I think Wharton's in that district as well. Right? No, Wharton. Oh, or where do they have Wharton? They have Wharton. I think Wharton's 4AD1. Are they D? I'm looking for them. In the D oh, here they have Wharton in with uh, 
Columbia and Harmony and Te- and Lamarck, which is going out towards Galveston. Yeah, that warden's kind of in that place where you know it's kind of nowhere really yeah. close. You know, they're this way to Houston, this way to Victoria, this way to. So there have been instances where I believe Quayle and Warden were in the same district, but uh, those two teams used to play a lot, and they had some great games to be. So Lorena's going up to 4AD, too. I don't know if you saw that. Wow. So that's one that, you know, you talk about a potential, you know, that's a new kind of challenger over there in there with Quero is Lorena is someone that, you know, they've been one of the very best programs in 3AD1. Yeah, you're always going to have, you know, the Carthages, the, the Pleasant Grove. and um, uh, Well, Carthage and Pleasant Grove both stayed 4AD2, so they'll be probably in the same district. Yeah, and, and So have fun, everybody else, with that. And of course, Belleville, I mean, uh, you know, they're playing for a state championship, yeah. so... Uh, you know, they've always been really good. And then how about this district? You know, on this mock-up, District 9, Hampshire, Finette, Jasper, and Silsby. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be – is West Orange in there? West Orange Stark is in there as well. Jeez. I mean, yeah, that's – yeah. That's Region 3. That's right? that, that that would be Region 3, yeah, yes. so, I mean, that's – well, Quirrell knows all about it. I yeah. Mean, that's – Oh yeah, yeah. That's who they. I mean, that's how, who they ran into. Uh, yeah. You know, that's who they ran into this year was Jasper. But if you, if they do drop down to Region Four, you could have, you know, the difference in face having to face three of those teams. You know, between Hampshire, Finette, Jasper, uh-huh. Silsby, uh, Belleville, you know, Waco, La Vega, Lorena, right. having to face three of those teams versus just one of them. Whoever makes the semifinals, it's, if you're in Region it's Four, it's huge because believe me, you look at Wimberley. I mean. Uh, they, I don't think they had a close game, you know, up until the semifinals. And they go into that semifinals, they're probably not as beat up. They're as fresh. Who, who's coming out of Region 3, which in this case was Belleville. And uh, they, they played Belleville's tail off. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and last year they beat Quero. And Quero, I mean, after playing that – Four overtime game against Silsby. I mean, it's hard to come back, and uh, so that gave them a distinct advantage. And uh, so, yeah, you definitely, if you can come through Region Four, yeah. And when Quero did win state, it did come through Region Four. And that's one with Quero, where or looking at Wimberley. I always watch Wimberley and think they're very well coached. Like they they don't make mistakes. They know what they're doing. Even if they're not they're not the most talented team. They don't have the raw size speed, but they know what they're doing. And they got, you can save if you're going through the schedule they go through and blowing everybody out. You don't got to put a lot on film. All your bells and whistles, all your tricks, everything you every counter you can save for. Belleville or La Vega or Lorena or Silsby or Jasper or whoever that is, you can save it for that one game. So you're going to have your opposition's head spinning because you're going to be doing a bunch of stuff you haven't put on film that year. Yeah, that that helps. There's no question about it. So uh, this will all be sorted out in in February. And uh, the thing I'm – I guess I'm a little concerned about is I have a feeling we're going to end up with a lot more districts than we have. And, uh, you know, that's just more work for us. Well, yeah, we have to get familiar with more teams. This is what I'm most interested in. 
In the non-football sports, where do East and West go? Because I I don't think they're going with CCISD. I I don't – well, I mean – Because it's going to be the CCISD schools in 5A and Flower Bluff and Gregory Portland and Alice. Yeah. And I don't think there's room for East and West in that district. that may be. I mean, East and West may go to San Antonio. Um, They may be on the south side of San Antonio. So I have a mock here that has them in in Region 3 in the non-football sports. With – Iowa Colony and oh, Fort geez. Bend and Lamar. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know. That is a lot of traveling. That's Iowa a, Colony. That, that, that's I mean. a lot of traveling. The uh, you know you could stick them in with the South San Antonio schools. Yeah. Problem is you have Laredo in there as well, so that's quite a bit. Laredo yeah. and Eagle Pass. But think about when you talk about non-football, you're talking about for basketball at least. You're talking about Tuesday and Friday. Volleyball as well. Yeah, and that's a lot of traveling. And on a Tuesday night to go to Iowa Colony, I mean, you're talking about you're not getting back until what one o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, maybe? if you, that's same if you go to Eagle Pass yeah. or or yeah. Laredo. Um, now, what they may end up doing is uh, is playing Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's, they would have to almost certainly have to. And they may end up playing like Tuesday Saturday games or something like that because uh, that. That travel, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot so now. Now, uh, the I'm, one that I view as more likely, because that's what this mock has. What I view as more likely is sticking them in with Bernie and the Como ISD and and Kerrville and the North and the North San Antonio. Yeah, that's what I view as because East will already be in that district for football. So then you just add West into yeah. there. That's what I view as the more likely scenario. Yeah, but or you know really or. If they wanted to, though, they could uh, they could take Alice and uh, I guess now. None well, the of, problem is, where would you put Alice? Yeah. And, and well, it, it, that's still two to, for one. They could take them to the valley, technically. Yeah, you could take Alice to the valley with, and they would have you know that'd yeah. be La Jolla, Mission, Sherryland, and then put East in there, you know, because. Uh, You'd already but the problem is they're already at, they're going to be adding Flower Bluff yeah, that's regardless. True. Yeah, what, Flower so then Bluff, so then yeah. you're looking at a ten team district and not only that vets yeah, and vets yeah. yeah so yeah there's a lot to consider and uh, any way you look at it, it looks like they're going to be doing some traveling yeah I think East and West that's going to be there you know Victoria West in football they're going to be in with CCISD and Alice and Gregory Portland and that's that that appears to be really easy. It's in a non-football district to put East and West somewhere. You're going to Houston or to you're going to San Antonio or you're going you're going somewhere, and it's going to be uh, get ready to spend some time on the road. Yeah, and I mean that's what we always talk about football. But think about it: in football, you have what five road games. Mm-hmm. So really, you're traveling, and, and it's one game a week, yeah. and it's a Friday, so you yeah. don't you don't have school the next right. day. Right, your travel is negligible. I mean, compared to, but basketball, you know, where you're going twice a week. Volleyball, you're playing twice a week. Baseball, baseball, you're softball, twice a week. softball. Yeah, all those things, and then you know, so you know, we'll have we'll have to see. Of course, you know, some of your other sports, for instance, like swimming and diving. You could be in a totally different district in football and basketball. So, those things. Are, Wrestling's another one that yeah, East and West have. That, uh, that could that those realignments will probably come out in the spring. I think sometime they they don't do it. Just you know, this will be basketball and football when they release this and volleyball. I yeah. Guess. 
Yeah, so that that's what I'm looking forward to is or look most intrigued by is kind of the non-football for East and West because there's um, you know, in the past it's just easy CCISD along with East and West, but that's that's not going to be the case this time around. It appears so something to watch out for. And before we wrap up the show here, coaches. All area. We're going to be making our all area teams pretty soon. It's only Mike and I now, so give us cut us some slack as we, you know, we're wrapping up the football season here. But all area football, all area volleyball. We're going to be doing that soon. We've gotten some of the nominations. Coaches, send your all area nominations to sports at vicad.com. We're going to be putting it in the paper as well. We want that. We want that up. We want that out there. We want to recognize your athletes. So give us the opportunity to to do so. Send your all-area nominations for football and to volleyball to sports at vicad.com. And send stats and positions and all that as well. It helps us out a great deal. It does. uh, Stats, position, grade, classification. If you got height and weight, that helps too. Yeah, that'd all be great. Coaches, we're looking forward to seeing that. We're looking forward to recognizing those athletes. And Mike and Aaron, we're looking forward to Jerry World tomorrow. Yeah, and, and really, if anybody uh, questions, you know, this area in football, just tell them this. This is the ninth straight year that we've had a team at state. And during that time, we've had five state champions. So uh, I think that speaks well for this area. Yeah, I mean, there's been – I mean – you look, I mean, Ganado took Timpson right down to the wire this year. Fiorio was at the top of the polls all season. This was a year where, like, Shiner was down because, like, oh, is the area going to be down? Ganado stepped right in and kind of took that mantle right there. And we didn't even mention Cuero and Victoria West went three rounds deep in the playoffs. Victoria East, Charlie Reeve did an outstanding job going and kind of turning that program around. So Calhoun made it to the regional final. Whitaker did an outstanding job. We have some really good football in this area. There's no question about yeah. that. And also, not just good football, but the different styles as well. Not, I think you get into some parts of the state or some parts of the country and everyone plays the same way. And you got triple option, you got spread, you got the veer, you got just straight-ahead power run, you got no huddle. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's all of it, and it's awesome. I love it here. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Episode 66 of The Grid, Route 66, because Mike and I will be on the road quite a bit tomorrow as we hope to go watch the Tidehaven Tigers win a state championship. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back here next week for episode 67 of The Grid, right ahead of Christmas. Give you something to listen to to get away from your family for the holidays. But until then, stay safe. We can't wait to see you again. 